Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Bulls podcast. Tonight, I'm joined as usual by my cohorts, Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. I'm your host, Les Lawson, as normal, and tonight I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by somebody who I don't mind saying is a big hero of mine and somebody who I'm lucky enough now I'd like to say we'll call a friend. A man who burst onto the scene in the mid-70s and made a, a superb impact on the success Liverpool Football Club had. Sometimes I think the modern-day supporter maybe overlooks the contribution he made, but for those of us who were there around about that time and continue to watch him, he was a breath of fresh air and he's a hero to us all. A big welcome to David Fairclough. So welcome, Dave. Thanks very, uh, thanks very much, Les. Uh, as I was saying there, I feel a bit red. You made me go a whole lot redder. So uh, <laughs> thanks very much. Very generous. Thanks. No worries. Dave, Pete? Ask you to start off with. So to going back as a kid, I think he would in, lived in Cantwell Farm, I think, if I'm right. I grew um, up in Everton. I grew up in Everton, actually. I grew up yeah. in uh, St. Domingo Road. Oh, uh, right. uh, and then when obviously uh, you know the, there was a regeneration and, and everything, we had the like a lot of people, we had the opportunity to choose where we were going to be right. rehoused. So my mum chose Cantrell Farm. So right. Fields and all that type of stuff. We hadn't, hadn't I wasn't uh, the only field I'd seen on any regular basis was Stanley Park. But yeah. uh, living living somewhere where you know we could run around on fields and play football and all that type of stuff. It was a great move. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask at that age. Obviously, you're running, playing football as a kid. How was it that Liverpool picked you up? How how did that come about? Um, I I'd been playing in uh, well, I played for Liverpool primary under 11s and um, <clears throat> and then uh, I went to, going on to secondary school uh, had that little bit of a well I had the football book as a, as a you know a toddler but um, I think my my from memory my first um, I felt my first encounter with Liverpool was when I played in a local street competition on what is now the Stanley car park and um a guy came up to me afterwards and said, you know, asked me my name. Um, and he said, I'm from Liverpool. I went home. I remember saying to my mum and dad about the conversation. Well, very, very, the question really, rather than a conversation. I thought he, he was maybe from the school, you know, schoolboy thing, didn't he? It would be LFC. And um, kind of set off a little bit of a, not so much search, but... My name popped up in again in in Can in Bootland, Lidland. I was playing a bit of Sunday League there, and then I um, happened to we moved to Cantrell Farm, and my name pops up in Cantrell Farm. So I gather they they well they did they came to the house Liverpool to 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 locate me. Didn't know where they'd come and watch me. They, they decided to to come to the house, find out actually, you know, from the horse's mouth kind of thing. Where they where they could see me actually play because I was being you know I'd been identified in a few places I was I was I was told nice one so 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 from then on so when you did get signed by Liverpool at what age would that be Dave thirteen yeah yeah what, what they came they came me I remember the morning they they I came home from uh, having played for the school 
And my mum said, oh, there's been a guy here from uh, Liverpool. He wants to go and watch you play. I said, oh, I wish he had done because I scored four this morning. Um, <laughs> I said, oh, he's coming back. He's coming back tomorrow. So um, I was playing in a big, uh, uh, an early an early game for me in Cantrell Farm, really. It was one of the early games, just getting used to a new team. Um, and we had a big game and uh, they came watch me. I was in, invited up to Melwood on the Tuesday night. And uh, given given form straight away. And uh, how did you go from the, the interview your debut, David? Well, did it go? How long was you there till you made your debut? Uh, eighteen. Um, I mean, I went to an academic school where they didn't really encourage kids to leave school early. But Liverpool wanted me to sign apprentices at fifteen and a half. My dad and the school decided it wasn't the right thing to do, and uh, my dad said. If you still want him when he's 16 and a half, he said, well, you know, well, we can sort of uh, see what happens then. Um, I remember being there when my dad spoke to Tom Saunders and he said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be wanting him next year. We'll want him next year. My school reluctantly let me leave at 16 and a half. And uh, I signed Apprentice in, uh, you know, as I say, most of the kids I uh, I went to school with went on to university and, and careers in in different things. Um, football wasn't the the obvious um, choice for, for for the kids I was sort of uh, growing up with there. Dave, when you when you started at Liverpool, then you know as an apprentice, so to speak, where who else was with you? Which other players might we or might the listeners sort of remember from mm. from back then who, who, who were part of that sort of say youth set up? And did you have to? At that point, were you still having to clean sort of the first team players' boots and stuff like that? And if so, whose did you have to clean? Well, I, I say I went in at 16 and a half. Um, at that point, uh, well, all the lads had signed apprentices on the day I signed. None of them uh, went past 18. They they were they all fell by the wayside by the time they were 18. Apprenticeships ran from 15 and a half to 18 normally. So I came in at 16 and a half and um, on the morning of uh, after one uh, Saturday afternoon game, myself and Max Thompson were told to report to Melwood on, in the, on the Sunday morning. I got, I got there to, Mel, uh, to Anfield, um, walked into the corridor, saw Max there. I played under 11 football with Max, Max Thompson. Fortunately, Max sadly here. Uh, Passed away a few weeks, just a few weeks ago. Um, so we're standing. Me and Thomas, uh, me and Max are standing in the in a the corridor there, waiting for something to happen. I said, "What are we here for?" Um, he said, "I think we're signing pro." And I said, "All right, really." Um, a few minutes later, a guy appears who we'd never seen before. Introduces himself. He was he was a researcher from a TV program called Magpie. Uh, we started chatting. He said, "What's happening? You two are going to be signing uh, pro for you know professional football, uh, you know professional football contract for Liverpool, um, and we're going to follow you, your uh, your journey in the uh, with the with the cameras and stuff." So didn't find out from Tom or you know Tom Saunders or Bill Shankly or anybody. First time, first person we you know gave us the news was it was a guy from. Um, ITV tele- television. 
Wow. <laughs> so what, what's your first memory then of meeting Shanks, Dave? Well, I met Shanks on the day I signed Apprentice and uh, my dad was a big Liverpool fan. Um, and he probably he wanted to meet Shanks as much as anybody. And uh, we, he, well, I, I finished school on the, it was a Friday morning. I finished school, came home and me and my dad went down to Anfield and uh, we went into Shanks' office and he was there with Tom Saunders. And then we, you know, we, some chatter and stuff. I just sat there, sort of, you know, not adding anything to the uh, to the the conversation. And then uh, I just signed. Really, you know, just signed. Well, I'd met him actually. I mean, I, I just I'm thinking as I'm sitting here. When you're when you sort of doing quite well in the um, in the in the juniors and things on school holidays, some players who they had ideas of signing on apprentice. Um, they they invited us to come into um, some mornings to uh, just experience what it was all going to be like, and uh, so I'd met Shanks along the way on on that. Not to not to talk to, but you know, being the uh, in the surroundings, you know, it was. Dave, um, Dave just going back before we move on, um, you look at the kids today in these academies, and they're playing on pristine pitches and. Mm-hmm. You've got all the, all the gear. Would you say playing in like Cancel Farm League and football in Leatherland was a good grounding for you to to make it? Because I remember remember listening to Howie Gale quite a while ago, and he said the reason he, he became such a good player he, he was he was a good player, but he was a marked man in effect because he was so quick. And he said it was a better grounding then playing in local leagues than these academies do for the kids today. You have to look after yourself, you know. I would say, uh, obviously, you know, obviously playing uh, Sunday League football and the likes in Liverpool was always quite competitive. Um, (laughs) Me playing in uh, Bootland Littleland, Bootland Littleland League was was, was a different environment. You know, I say I'm growing up in Everton and and, uh, travelling all around um, Littleland and Netherton coming up against these these teams that were you know chasing honors clubs like the Merton um uh there were, there were a couple of others um but there, there were there were a couple of the coronation some very very strong um, Sunday league organizations and uh, they would they were choosing the best players they could find in Bootle so it wasn't easy I, I was playing for a team that 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 found it you know Quite hard in, in ways to compete with these uh, very strong lads, um, and that was that was good grounding. I mean, I'd never really been um, intimidated with playing against older older kids because I'd always been invited to to play with kids a couple of years on, on you know, a couple of years older than mm. me, um, right from you know starting playing football in the school there uh, in the school. Right. When you joined the, the, you know, when you joined Liverpool and you eventually got made up into the squad, what was it like when, as a youngster going in and mixing with the likes of Kevin Keegan and, and Tosh and, and Highway? And was, was, it, was it daunting at first or did I you mean, sort of feel comfortable? It was daunting in a way that, um, I mean, as I say, going in as an apprentice, you're doing the jobs, you're cleaning boots, the kit and all that, running errands for people. Um, 
So you're getting used to, to, to coming in contact with the likes of Kevin Keegan and Tosh and Smithy. Um, I'd go home to County Farm. I remember, you know, uh, doing, you know, hanging around outside our house talking and saying, oh, spoke to Kevin Keegan today. You know, he asked me to, you know, uh, go for, you know, go for this and that. Because we ran errands for the uh, the players. My mates were, I remember them being quite taken. And saying, oh, what, you know, asking, you know, what did they say and all this type of thing. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of experiencing that as an apprentice. Then I move on a little bit, playing the reserve team, but you know, and then playing with a few of the lads who've who've been in the first team, whose careers have probably come more more to the end than than anything else. Uh, doesn't quite prepare you for the first team, but you're getting used to you know the type of expectancy and the uh, sort of the uh, how how committed the older players were. And I mean, I have to say, and uh, you know. It's a long, it's a long subject. I think you know, big discussion about it. But in this day and age, I, I sense, and I thought about this today. Actually, you think you see the size of Guardiol, who is what 21, 22, and looks yeah. like an, an absolute monster of a man. I bet you he's been playing with bigger, bigger people all along the way. Then uh, you know how how we do it here, where you know. 15-year-olds play with 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, so on and so on. Uh, we played at 16. We're playing in the Lancashire Combination League and you're playing against the likes of Chester Reserves, Rochdale Reserves. You're playing against 30, you know, 35-year-old guys, hardened um, football league players. I think that brings you on quicker than playing with, with lads of your own age group, you know, for year in, year out. I'm seeing this and... As I, I was having a discussion the other day, I, th- I think we see this with with continental players, particularly who look far more advanced than twenty year olds here, who who still look like they've got to fill out and all this type of stuff. You look at like Shabosley and um, as I say, Guardiola. Uh, they're big, big lads, and and they've been forced to grow up because they played in a much more competitive environment. I I believe I, I'm sure that's. Uh, I mean, our lads, you, you get lads in the, in, in the first team, people like, it, say, an Elliot or a Bacetic, and, and you say, oh, it's going to be great when they fill out a little bit and they get a bit stronger and stuff. You don't see them with continental players from my from where I'm looking at it. It's funny you should say that, you know, Dave. When we've we done it, when we've done it, a Merseyside meeting, Les will remember this. We had... Um, what was his what was his name? Rafa's number two. Oh Rodolfo. Rodolfo. Yeah, he was telling us a story very similar to what you're saying about going to look at Suarez. And he went to this place where you know Salto where he lived and seen Suarez playing in this pit, you know, which was, was sand-based. Mm-hmm. But he was he was about 14 at the time while he was in, in Barcelona. And he said he was playing with men, mm-hmm. you know, like, and and held his own and was, didn't he, Les? He was saying yeah. what an outstanding prospect he was. So I understand what you mean then. So yeah, I, I, do, I do think the development of the, of the players here is much you know, is slower. We can say, oh, he's a good player. And I've seen countless players play in the in the in the Liverpool uh, junior teams and and so oh in a couple of years' time he'll be this and he'll be that. But you look at the continental players, 
way ahead of us and they don't don't seem to have you know yeah. that's not probably the, there, there will be exceptions to the rule but in general mm-hmm. i say the couple that i've just named they're big lads you know Zabosley. i mean he looks like he's in his mid-20s rather than yeah. 21 22 his strength is is unquestioned uh i think for a similar lad uh you know an english kid or even a scots uh, scots lad um, you know, you still think they've got to grow up a bit. Yeah. I was going to move on to your debut. You made your debut away, I think, at Middlesbrough, if I'm correct. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, so what was that like, running out? Yeah, you know, to a, you know, it can be quite hostile up in Borough, can't it, the crowd? You were running out in a, a cold November day. What was that like, your first game? Yeah. Well, I was oblivious to the crowd, I'll be honest. I mean, I know there was a little Liverpool contingent down the uh, one end, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't. it didn't pass me by. Uh, I just wanted to get out there and, and enjoy it. And my mum uh, told us tale down the years, of, you know, you're coming out and you're in, in your little, you know, in the line. She said, she, she swears that I was the first Liverpool player on the pitch. Uh, by the time we got to the, uh, you know, got, you know, really fully got out the tunnel because such I was so eager to get out there and, you know, and just and then you, you, scored, you scored your first goal a few days later, I believe, in the European mm-hmm. game. Yeah, uh, November the fourth um, in Sociedad. Uh, I remember speaking to Xabi uh, Alonso. His dad, I think, was substitute that night at similar ages. I think. And he was just about to break into the Sociedad team. And he was, uh, I think he was sub on the night by coincidence. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that obviously playing in the film on Saturday, you think, oh, you know, uh, there I go. Done quite well. Comes Tuesday, you know, you'll be playing again. Um, but as was often the way, Liverpool would then sort of send you backwards to see, I think, you know, observe your reaction really, and um, how you sort of uh, had taken to the spotlight what you'd learnt. And um, I was substitute for this the uh, UEFA Cup match, first um, uh, game against uh, European teams uh, on the bench. Liverpool winning quite easily. We won the first leg easy. Uh, I'd listened to that on the radio actually two weeks earlier. I'd been sitting in in my mates. Um, Hallway, listen to the uh, listening to the Liverpool game, not thinking that I would be involved two weeks later. Um, but I was substitute. Don't remember anything about the match other than half time and uh, Ronnie Moran just saying to me, uh, "Get your top off." He said, uh, "You're going on." I think Callie had picked up a little little knock of some sort. Go out there, you know. I couldn't. Uh, I don't think it was a packed Anfield. In fact, I know it wasn't a packed Anfield. But um, we kicked into the Anfield Road end. I got a chance, sort of, I don't know, maybe midway into the second half, just come to me and, uh, you know, instinctively put it in, which was um, which was brilliant, I have to say, getting that kind of, having the reputation of scoring goals. I'd always scored goals in schoolboy football. Uh, obviously, when you break into the pro thing, you want, you want that to continue and... Um, and I think scoring the, yeah, in, you know, it wasn't my debut, but it was my home debut, uh, I think kind of uh, helped me sort of think going forward, there was no real pressure on me to, to mm. you know, to, to score um, 
on other days? Yeah, we did. I, I can remember back then being in being in school. I just started sort of going into Liverpool Institute then. And we remembered sort of hearing about you scoring loads of goals for the for the reserves. And and you know, and back then, you know, as we touched on earlier, you were playing against seasoned professionals, weren't you? You who were playing for the for you know other reserve teams. Um and that must have given you a good grounding, you know, to to make your debut. And obviously your confidence must have been up with, you know, being able to to score goals consistently at reserve team level. Because it, it didn't seem back then, and I don't know, I may be doing a little bit of injustice, but there didn't seem to be back then such a big jump from reserve team to first team like there is now. Mm-hmm. So when you when people tended to get the chance, it was as though like the likes of the manager and the coaching staff thought they were they were ready to make that leap. Is that a fair comment, Dave? Yeah, I think I think the ones who went in, uh, I mean the reserve team lads who who, who got a chance when I when I was around, um, you know, people maybe like uh, remember people like John McLaughlin and uh, and, and a few. There's only there's only a couple who really got uh, you know were getting into the first team, but. They were ready when they went in. They, they weren't. It wasn't all like now about saying, "Oh, well, they need a couple of years to fill out and all this type of stuff." Lads were, were you know, were, were kind of ready. You know, I think reserve team football did prepare you for it because the, you know, the reserve team football in those days was, you know, lads who maybe would normally have been in the uh, in their respective teams or coming back from injury and all that type of stuff. Um, so you were playing against strong, strong teams. You weren't playing against kids. So as I say, going back to the point I made before, um, all that type of thing, I think, helps you sort of, uh, you know, brings you brings you along a little bit quicker. Yeah, I just go thinking there back to your debut. If I'm right in remembering, I'm sure Joey Jones got sent off for, for punching yeah, yeah. John. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And we, we only had 10 men and we still won 1-0, I think. It was hard play to go. Middlesbrough won the second division the year before. They had a very strong team. Uh, Suey played. Um, don't remember really much about his presence. I remember the uh, the guys I played against. There was I was coming up against John Craggs was right back. Stuart Bohm sent off. Madron was uh, Willie Madron was sent yeah. off. Well, they had a they had a they had a great team. They had some really uh, well you know first first class players really. Um, so we did do well to hang on, um, you know, one nil. Um, but you know, teams didn't play out games in the, in the way that they do now. Uh, you go a man down, and you have to reorganise. I don't remember being, you know, being told that the game was changing in any way. Joey gets sent off. Uh, you know, the aim of the game was slightly. It wasn't as uh, strategic as it is these days. You know. We carried on playing the way we played, and they likewise. It was, um, you know, I think it was a fit, it was fairly late on anyway, but uh, yeah, it was a good win to uh, to get. Jack Charlton was there, was their manager. Was very complimentary about me afterwards, um, and uh, and so uh, yeah, it was um, it was memorable. I mean, down the years, Joey has said to me, you know, I spoke you, I spoke your debut. Well, you didn't, you didn't at all. I mean. <laughs> It was a it was a black mark of the on the day, but you know it didn't really. I don't ever think of it as being, you know, making it worse or in any way. 
So we moved everybody on. noticed you in 1976, then they didn't he? For 1976 season, when Bob was 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 going for the double, that was a big year. Yeah, I mean that was 75, 76. I'd made my debut as as we've said in November. I was kind of put into the background a little bit. I was substitute before Christmas. I was substitute one more time. Uh, way at Sheffield United, um, and then um, didn't appear again until um, I think it was the end of March or the beginning of April. That we played Norwich away. Now at that point, really, I mean, I was oblivious to the fact that we were in a, a you know a championship race, as, so to speak. I mean, we were probably quite sort of <clears throat> we we're only. Um, just sort of in the in the background, QPR were very much the the leading team. Uh, Man City, I think, were uh, were doing quite well in those days. Um, and we went. I got introduced as a say against Norwich away. Ended up scoring the winner. Um, didn't come on a sub. Started that day, by the way. Um, the following week, I was back to because I replaced Tosh. I wore number ten. The following week, we played Burnley at home. I was substitute. Came on for, um, I think it was Stevie Highway, and ended up scoring the two the two goals and the 2-0 win. And it then sort of, you know, I was then kind of in, in a little bit of a run. The next game was Everton. Scored the win against Everton, coming on as sub. Uh, and I then... was capable that day, but I, can, I, I, I say to you, for that, that's at this day. Right. I don't know whether you know, but but that was the first goal that had been scored by a Liverpool player in the derby yeah. Anfield. Four years. Bormack scored in 72. Mm. And also, it was the first goal scored by a Liverpool player since Alan Waddle scored at Goodison. So, been, I think there have been four consecutive nil-nil games. Mm. And ultimately, when you look back, and you know, I can still get a tingle now when I think about it. It was in the paddock that day. And it was only small and stood on a stool. And again, the game was heading for nil-nil. And ultimately, you know, if we don't win that day, I think the league title's gone. And I can still I still see it now. You're picking the ball up and just going at them and going at them and going at them. And next thing it went in and I jumped up, the stool collapsed. My leg got caught between the the, the two pieces of wood in the school and on the stool, but I wasn't bothered. All I kept going was go and there's a Older, mm. older guys trying to get me leg out of the year, but I didn't care. You'd scored mm. the goal. And it, to me, you know, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the pod, but to me, that is still the best derby goal I've ever seen scored by a Liverpool player. And I've seen some scored in that time. Mm. But that one, to, to this day, is still the best. And how you did it, I don't know. Just like you to to sort of talk us through as a local lad and a big Liverpool supporter. Mm. You know, what was it like to, to sort of score that goal? And, and did you, after the game or during the game when you scored it, did you get the the feeling of what that goal actually meant, not just for you, the fans, but for the team in the in the, the chase for the title? Well, uh, yeah, uh, of, you know, um, we all love playing against Everton and uh, growing up, you know, in this city, you're either a red or a blue. Um, and I always say, as much as I want to play for Liverpool, I mean, to play in a derby match and, and you know, come out as the, 
you know, maybe the match winner or, you know, the the hero of the day it was always, a, it was a dream, you know, it was a dream. It, um, it was, uh, I remember scoring the goal. I mean, I do remember it quite, quite well. Obviously, I've seen it numerous on numerous occasions. Um, but uh, it was, it was special. It was, you know, I thought to myself, oh, well, you know, I've scored and there's only a couple of minutes left. But um, then we got a penalty, didn't we? And yeah. I remember being on the edge of the penalty box saying, oh, God, please miss it, you know. <laughs> uh, Once in the headline. And uh, Neely, who, who missed very few from the penalty box, kindly put it wide of the post. And, you know, that, that sort of, um, I mean, down the years, I mean, Everton, Ever, you know, Everton supporters who were, who were there have reminded me of it and uh, still sort of uh, we have a we have a good chat, bit of a wind up as well. Uh, it was spe- it was special and um I want to see uh, you know see different things down the years. Uh, it, it is one that I'm very you know I am proud of. It was it was similar to goals that that I would score when I was a kid, you know, uh, mm-hmm. running past players. That was my style. Mm-hmm. Uh, dribbling, shooting, um, not being sort of greedy as such, but just playing what was in front of you, and um, you know there wasn't a, there wasn't a great deal on as I, as I picked the ball up. You know, you just instinctively you just go past the player, and on and on it goes. And it's uh, it, it's lovely to look back on and and see it every now and again it it pops up. And uh, I remember showing it to our Tom some years ago, a long time ago. And uh, I said, have you ever seen this? And he hadn't seen it at the time. And his reaction, you know, was, wow, you know. Um, and I thought, well, that made me, uh, yeah, give me a warm feeling. Um, it was it was special. Unfortunately, uh, Granada never held on to their archive stuff. So the fact is that it, it wasn't seen, but hasn't been seen that by as many people who probably I would have liked it to have been. I think all the Republicans that were there that day yeah. would, would then agree with Les. It was a brilliant goal. We were in the main stand right down by the Anfield Road and mm. it, was, it was a brilliant goal. Fantastic yeah, yeah. goal. And as Les said, probably one of the best derby goals ever scored. Mm. You scored one similar against Leeds. Very, very, very similar to it. I remember, um, well, I nearly repeated it against Everton in the semi-final at Main Road. It's and the ball. The ball was stuck in the mud in the first minute. Yeah. Uh, and I had a dribble once at, um, at Goodison um, and I went sort of right across the field and uh, just similar type of run that Barnes made against Brazil, something along those lines. And then the ball just dribbled past the, the post in the, in the park end. That was a, a nil-nil. Um, I mean, I, I that was my, you know, that was my style to, to dribble, you know. Um, I remember, uh, <clears throat> I remember scoring one goal against Leeds at Anfield. That was for, uh, that was ahead of Grand Grand National morning as well, by coincidence. Uh, and, I mean, you know, you fortunate to have thing, you know, been a part of these moments, and and thankfully, I've I've still got a reasonable memory. I can, uh, you know, I can look back on them and, uh, and really enjoy, you know. That Everton goal, Dave. It's on YouTube. I watch it. I watch it. Time and time again, you know what I mean. It just it and it still gives me the same. Not 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 so much because football's all about your know, instant reaction. 
when I look back on it, it takes me back to that particular mm-hmm. day. And, you know, you, you remember how you felt. And then there was, a, there was also a game after that, I think, that I think we must switch on was when we went to Manchester City yeah. because we 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 had a bad record at Main Road at the time. And again, mm-hmm. you absolutely run them ragged. I think it was an Easter Monday, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you run them ragged. You scored two and Stevie Highway scored. Yeah, the other I, I laid one on for Stevie Highway, yes. Yeah. Um, the thing about that was, as I say, you know, it's 75-76. All of a sudden, we're in the, you know... We're in the title chase kind of thing. We played Stoke on the Saturday and we ended up winning 5-3. It was a it was a very good Stoke were a decent side then themselves. Um and I remember the, the crowd's reaction. It was like, you know, it was one of those we shall not be moved uh, sort of chance. And I thought I think people thought, you know what, we could win the league here. And I, I don't I don't think we had really got into the frame until that. Until that day, but then we had two games to go, which you know we needed to get, you know, almost maximum points out of. And as you say, uh, we didn't have a great record at Main Road; hadn't been previously anyway. Um, so that was a massive game, and we had the Wolves game away. So it was a, it was an incredible end to the season. Um, you know, um, and sorry, Dave. Yeah, I was just going to say, man, just touch on the Wolves game there a bit. Am I right in saying that? You have to get on at some point in the Wolves game to get a, a league championship medal. Mm-hmm. And that would have been an absolute scandal, by the way, if for any reason you hadn't have been put on. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, and again, I'm not just saying this, and the lads will back me up with this, but had you not done what you'd done in that season, Liverpool would not have won the league. Mm-hmm. And that is that is not, that is fact. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, had to, I did have to get on. And when I got on, we were losing 1-0. So at that point, we weren't winning the league. Um, I mean, anybody that was at Wolves will never forget that night. That was just, yeah, you know, it was one of the great, great nights. Uh, and we ended up winning three one, and uh, you know, it was brilliant. Didn't score, but uh, had a you know, played a part in a, in a dramatic end. Um, it was it, it was a fantastic season, uh, and to think that you win the championship in your first season. Uh, I saw today by coincidence um, a friend was showing a bit of news that David Sadler received the league winners uh, league championship medal in the last over the last few days uh, retrospective retrospectively for uh, his part in one of the championship years um, in in these days I mean even the bus driver gets a medal for winning <laughs> the league. Um, you only have to you know some games. Lads only have to play half a game or a game, and they get a they get a medal. In those days, it had to be fourteen. So mm. I actually played in two where I didn't get to fourteen, but I played and scored in in two other games, and um, got me thinking. Maybe uh, you know, yeah, get your medal, Dave. Get two more medals. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Dave, we're obviously going to touch on a certain European goal oh, that you scored. Gosh, yeah. Um, but could I just take you a little bit further forward? The day that Bastion got goal of the season, I think you actually got a hat trick that day, didn't I you? I got three, yeah. Yeah, and everyone, you know, re- remembers the Norwich game because of that. Mm. I, I mean, it was a wonderful goal, don't get me wrong, but I think mm. that was your only hat trick for Liverpool, and it, it happened in that game that he got goal of the season. Like, yeah, yeah my only hat trick in the league, yeah, in league and cup for Liverpool. This scored three a few times in friendly games. Bloody hell! 
chose the wrong time to score threes. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was a memorable day, and you know, on when they reviewed that season, it was voted as the best match of the season as well. Um, it was a great win, five three. Um, 9th of February, by coincidence, uh, some years later, my son was born on the 9th of February. Uh, I think it was him that actually identified that. Um, it's funny how things uh, work out. So, I, you know, whilst whilst I scored that trick and remembered it for, for different things, it, it's more fixed to me memory because of the the coincidence of date. You know, it's um, it's marked in, uh, imprinted on my brain. Dave, can we sort of go back to the the 76-77 season. Now, that is a season, I think, that all us who are on this podcast mm-hmm. now and all Reds who have a similar age who are around about time would love to go through again. You mm-hmm. know, the, the way it built up and built up and built up. You know, to and I think it actually started really with the with the game against Santetian where the whole thing started to, to take off. And you know, you've got your place forever and a day, you know, mm-hmm. in outfield folklore for that goal against St. Etienne. I mean, the whole build-up to that game was was like something I'd never, ever experienced before. I used to go to the Liverpool Institute, as I said before, and we used to go downtown to get our lunch. And Church Street was just full of green and white scarves of St. Etienne fans. Mm-hmm. And we looked at each other and thought, We've got to bunk off school here to get into the game. And we did. We bunked off the last the last lesson in school to get the bus. Night. We must have got the bus, I think, about half past four to get up to Anfield. And it, the, the, all the buses were full. And it was just, and I had to bunk in a queue because it was only small. Bunk in a queue. Got crushed on a barrier. But I didn't give a toss because we won. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, that day, you know, must... That, that memory for you must must still be as vivid now as it was then. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, it's reminded to me every day, which is uh, which is a nice thing. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever been able to fully explain, you know, why there was such a buzz and you know how it turned out to be so dramatic about getting into Anfield and uh, one thing and another. It was. Um, yeah, it, for some for some strange reason, it really captured the imagination. The fact that they were probably thought of as the best team in Europe at the time. Um, you know, we knew it was a massive hurdle. Um, I think on reflect, you know, sort of like jumping ahead a little. I think that I think they underestimated Liverpool. I think I think um, they were very confident. Uh, they won the first leg one nil, so we knew we. Uh, you know, I mean, the lads always had the confidence to say, "Well, we can beat anybody at Anfield." But I, th- I think that they were they were such a good team. Um, you know, when they equalised after half time, I sensed that there was that feeling of, "Well, this is not going to be our night." You know, um, there was an awful lot to do, and to score two late on against a team of that quality, you know. Hadn't been proven easy. Uh, Liverpool had struggled a little bit, you know. And then, and then, you know, I get the, I get the. Well, I got, I got the shout to go on, and it was one-one. And uh, while I was warming up, just after I finished warming up, Ray Razor scored the uh, the second goal. 
And then they said in the box, I'll oh, just wait here a little bit. Let's just see what, you know, what happens. Um, thinking that maybe after Razor's goal, you know, we, we put them under the cosh. Didn't seem to, um, didn't seem to pan out that way. And um, I don't know, I don't know, you know, I've never thought what was the gap between the uh, the second and third goal. But um, anyway, I was, I was uh, sort of crouched down waiting to get, it looked like they were going to send me. It looked like they were going to send me on, but they were they were hoping. Obviously, the second goal had been a bit of a springboard. It didn't turn out to be that way. Get the shout to go on. Running around said, "Just go on and make a nuisance of yourself," you know. <laughs> and uh, the rest is is history, as they say. Do you know what? When you were running towards goal days, mm. do you do you, do you ask what what goes through your mind at that stage? You know, like you're one on one. I know what it was like for us. When we're watching you coming through, you know, and Les, Les had said has said recently that there was no one you'd rather had going through. But was you confident you were going to put it away? Well, I don't think you, 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 you know, I couldn't say you think, oh, well, this is, uh, I'd always been a goal scorer. And I think I'm tempted to say that all the practice down the years and, you know, of doing what you do. It kind of prepares you for moments like that, but ultimately you can't sort of uh, think back and say, "Well, now that I'm, now that I've got the goalkeeper, you know, do I do it with my right foot or my left foot or do these different things?" You just your instinct, as I say, that you've practiced for so long comes into you know comes into being. And uh, I I recall, you know, I had the the job of getting the ball first and foremost. Then I had to then you know, get the control. And then you're thinking, well, you know, don't be too clever. Goalkeeper's going to come out, keep it close to them. And, and all these things, are they happen that quick. You can't sort of like weigh it up. I think maybe if you if you did have that time to think of those situations, that's where probably, you, you know, you put it wide or whatever. Um, but that, that is, I think there's something uh, you've either got, you know, you've got that instinct. It, nothing can pre- nothing can prepare you for it, in all honesty. And that's not trying to be yeah. clever or extra clever. You just don't sort of... Um, you, you don't have that much time to, uh, to, to, to sort of work out the perfect, you know, answer. It was just, just an amazing finish. And, like, at that stage, it just erupted. I remember being in the cop. It was just... It, it was the greatest feeling, but then you realised that there's still time to go. Mm-hmm. That's that right. Just, yeah, they were I mean, a the really is, good. Side. Thing is about that when I just they just a big point. I was talking to somebody the other week about it. I'm never. I'm not a fan of the you know getting too many touches of the ball. I mean, I, I get frustrated a little bit with, with let's say salary. You know all this. You know, close control, bum, 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 going to the towards the goal. I was one for sort of getting the ball into the right position to get your to get your shot away. But um, I uh, I remember a little bit, well, a moment or two after the goal. Uh, I think Kevin Keegan crosses. Um, I remember being I was that knackered from hadn't fully recovered from the celebrations. Um, that I should have. Uh, when I look back on it, I kind of cringe and think I should have made a, a a better, more concerted effort to to get on the end of a cross. It wasn't the best of crosses, but.
But um, but still in all, I remember the one thing about it. I, I remember thinking, I was like, you know, me, me lungs were burning and um, hadn't fully recovered. As I say, Dave, yeah, <laughs> well, everybody on the cop, I think, sort of accused as much energy as any player that night, probably nervous energy, being crushed, pushed, shoved. That was just one amazing atmosphere. And was that the was that the loudest you'd ever you'd ever played in? And were you conscious of the noise as you're playing, or because you because you're a professional, you know, are you are you able to sort of insulate yourself from it, so to speak? Well, I think one thing that the one strange thing uh, um, we came out, we all came out as substitutes. We were involved in the. Um, they coming out onto the pitch that night. We were part of it, you know. Yeah, both teams came out. Substitutes were on there, and I remember saying to Brian Kettle, looking up at the cop, and I'd never seen as many flags as there was on the cop that night. Um, so we just knew that there was uh, there was something sort of, you know, something crazy was was going to happen. And as the game uh, panned out, I mean, it was very was very nervy. Uh, it was a buzz all all through the night. Oh, you know, it was pretty much a buzz most of the night. It went a little bit dead in the second half, as I think people began to sort of think it's not going to happen. Um, but the the noise, and I heard it the other week. Somebody sent me a little um, little thing of the last few minutes. Uh, the noise was like, extraordinary, and I think when I think when you're in a game. Um, I think you're more aware of the negativity than the positivity. You know when you know what's expected of you most of the time at Anfield. Um, and the only time you never, you know, you kind of were aware of, of things. I, I tend to think that I was more aware when it was more aware when it was negative and there was like you know ooing and ahhing and they, when they weren't when you know fans weren't happy. I just remember that night, Dave. From I was saying to the lads before we come on, like we used to, we used to stand about halfway up the cop, um, and that <laughs> night it was just manic outside. And we got in, we actually got in, and as we got through the turnstile, the bell went, and the bell was the signal for everyone to try and get over that turnstile because they were shut mm-hmm. and shop. And I ended up on the front, right at the front of the cop, on the white wall. And every time I look at that photograph, there's an iconic photograph of you with your arms in the air after you've mm-hmm. just scored. And it just takes me back because you yeah. were probably just in front of me. I was just that side of the goal. I've, um, I've, I've heard so many stories of um, of all kinds of different things, people being there, being not being there, listening to it on the radio. I mean, uh, Andy Cook, the, the ex-chief inspector of uh, Liverpool, his dad tells me a story of... How the a police, police on a, a policeman on a horse comes to block their way into the ground, and he don't he you know he dives under the legs of the horse. So such was the desperation to to, to get in. I I kind of smile and you know uh, when when I think of um, it, and it's one of those things that um, you think to yourself, you know what? At times you wish you could have been a supporter and watched it rather than uh, being a part. I don't know which was better or. Or worse. I think you had the best, Dave. Yeah, yeah, score the winner, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Well. I'd give anything to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to run that fast. Classic. And then, and then, I'm sure it was the on the Saturday after 
we played Middlesbrough in the sixth round of the cup and you smashed another one in in the top mm-hmm. corner in the Anfield Road then, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and enjoyed the goal. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was one of the... I used to, you know, I scored... There were a few goals sometimes and I look back on it where I came in from that position off the right. Uh, I mean, some people used to think, and I've heard this down the years, that thought I was a right-footed player, but I was, I was naturally left-footed. So uh, that kind of... Um, I mean, neither, neither neither bothered me, but I was very strong coming in from the right side. Yeah, and then so and then go, going on, then we we play Everton in the the FA Cup semi final as the mm-hmm. you know the trebles becoming more and more a talk amongst the fans. You know, are we going to do it? And that game, it it really shouldn't have started, really, should it? Because there was a downfall um, before the game. Yeah. And, and it, they, they should have probably delayed the kickoff a little bit because the pitch was clearly unfit. And as you said earlier, you would have scored that, that no rain, normal pitch. You put us one nil up after a minute. Yeah, on, then- a normal, on a normal day, I would have expected to score. But um, yeah, it was um, it was a it was a, a quirky uh, thing. The you know you got the, a torrent of you know you got that rain. It came as a Flash flood kind of thing, and uh, the pitch was yeah, it definitely wasn't playable when we started. But you know, and when you look back on it, I mean, we were probably lucky to because I, I mean I don't know why the goal was disallowed, the Everton goal. I'll be honest, uh, I, I don't care. It was on ball, offside, whatever it was. <laughs> so I've, never, I've, never, I've, I've never, I'd never admit to an Evertonian, but I do. You know, uh, it has been put to me, but and I've had them almost crying to me all these years on, uh, saying, you know, uh, explain that one and you know whatever. whatever. But if, if, if I was honest, you know, I'm, I'm still a little bit sort of out of the thoughts that we were a little bit lucky to get out that day. One thing that came from it, though, I remember going to the because we had a um, a reception planned in a, in a hotel in Manchester, and we went. And uh, I do remember vividly the pl- all the players saying, there's, you know, there's no way we're going to get beat on Wednesday. Absolutely no way. And I don't think I've ever, I'd ever felt such a, um, a confident mood. And this is like four days before the game. The game's just over and the lads are saying, we're going to make up for it because we're going to, you know, we're going to beat them on Wednesday. Absolutely no doubt about it. And, uh, and, so, and so it turned out. And then you start, don't you, in the... In the first leg of the semi-final against Yorick, which virtually yeah. books our our ticket to row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, great uh, time. I was with Sammy Lee last weekend, and uh, he was. T- there's a there's a, a bit of a tale, uh, and he was repeating this tale um, to people, and that related to that uh, the night before that Zurich game. My room with Sammy. Uh, he was only there. Well, not not so much as a. He was. Uh, a kind of an extra in the uh, in in the, on the on the fringe of the squad, but um, yeah, I mean to play in a European Cup semi final. I mean these things. Uh, I don't know, you know, you, when you think back on it and think that you've done it and uh, and all these, uh, you know, uh, great memories. Sometimes I said, you know, we, you know, we meet up. I'm with the lads all the time. Um, so you wish you'd probably been more aware of it while it was happening. We just took it for granted, really. Yeah. And then, obviously, then we, we we beat Everton in the replay and then we're in the FA Cup final. And then, through no fault of your own, you cost us the FA Cup because you're not picked by Bob Paisley. That 
that to me as a supporter, and I'm sure Tom and Pete will agree with me on this, that's probably Bob Paisley's biggest mistake as Liverpool manager. And also, I can remember, I can remember to this day, my confidence being knocked because you weren't on the bench. Um, and so can you, I mean, can you tell us how, how you actually found out that you weren't going to be mm. in the 12 that day? And how did, and I mean, I know it's probably a silly question, but how did you actually feel? Well, the, the, you know, I've, I've talked about this a couple of times in the in the past, and um, uh, it's probably my worst moment in in football. I mean, Bob Paisley had left me out of a, um, the team. We played Coventry about 10 days before the FA Cup final. Yeah, about 10 days before the FA Cup final. And um, he said, don't worry. You know, he let me down on that night. He said, but he said, you'll be in, you're in my team for the FA Cup final. And um, it kind of, you know, on the back of the, on the back of what happened, I, it kind of left a very sour uh, feeling about Bob Paisley. You just didn't think he handled uh, that that time at all well. Um, uh, so you know, you being let down the week before. I played in the last game before the FA Cup final away at Bristol City, um, and then on the Friday, on the third, on the Thursday was. Thursday, we travelled down to London. Uh, there were 13 players. Remember, uh, look, you know, we all, you know, in those days, you read the papers. And in the papers, it's sort of say, Liverpool, you know, got to pick one, you know, make one big decision. Um, who misses out? They named 13 players and one's going to miss out. Um, uh, nobody really wants to have anything, you know, get too close to Bob Paisley around that point. Um and uh, Friday morning, I came out of my bedroom. Uh, well, I got a knock. I was coming out of the bedroom. Got a knock on the door. Opened it, and Bob Paisley was standing there. And um, you know, he told he told me, you know, you're not going to be involved tomorrow. It's I've got this plan. Blah 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 blah. Uh, but don't worry, you'll be in the, You know, you'll be. In, I'll need you in Rome. So you know, sort of get you. You know, keep your head up. It was it was really really emotional. Um, he he sort of. You know, he said, I oh, know how you feel, because he'd been he'd missed out in 1950, but it doesn't make it any any easier. Uh and as you know, I made sort of reference to I lost a, I lost a lot of respect for Bob Paisley around that time. Yeah. Personally. I mean, I can still see that picture now in my mind of your sort of there was in the papers with you slumped over the balcony. Yeah, I was thinking with the balcony, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, all the lads in school on that Friday, some of them were going to Wembley. I, I wasn't going. I was watching on the telly. Um, Tommy went, I think yeah. it was his 21st birthday. Um, but, but like we were all talking and saying, you know, uh, you know Davey's got to be involved. Bob won't be silly enough not to. And even the teachers... It was always the discussion in school from the teachers who were Liverpoolians in, in class weren't doing any work, just talking about the match. Uh, don't worry, Bob isn't stupid enough not to play David Fairclough. Callie, Callie, Callie or David Johnson, you won't be involved, don't worry. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you weren't, it, you know, honest to God, I was, I, I was absolutely gutted. And Tom, I don't know how you felt. Yeah, we too. It was more, you know what, what, what was the worst part of it is that the worst part for us was that you, you know that 
when we're losing, you're looking to who's going to come on to change the game. And you you were a player that changed the game, a game changer. And like I, I think when when you were left out, it was it was lunacy at the time. Nearly everybody was disappointed at that. But as he, it, as, he, did, he didn't think we were going to be behind it. You know, he, he sort of made a, a comment to me. He, he felt we were going to take the lead early and then sort of try and close the game up. Um, didn't work out that way. But as you say, uh, if you get into certain situations, you want, you know, to is there in any, any way we can change the game sort of positively rather than look to be negative? I, th- I think all around, I think he, I think, I think he got the, uh, you know, he, he did get it. He, he got it wrong. In, you know, got it wrong in my book anyway. But um, I think that was, that was uh, not often the way, well, I'd never heard Bob Paisley talk like that before in, in that way, kind of with a, a negative kind of um, tone, you know, and, and, and summary of how we thought it would, it would all go. I thought on the day, I thought Liverpool on the day, it was a strange game, really. As I say, as Les said, it was my 21st birthday and it was, it was, it was a weird game because we, we had a lot to the ball, but, we didn't. We didn't really, you know. Like Stepney made a few saves along the way. He made one from Keegan, and and in the second half, and we, we thought he was going to put it in, but realistically, and once they got a goal up, you were wondering. Then Jimmy scored a wonderful goal, mm-hmm. and then when they go two one up, you, you're thinking there's nobody at that stage mm-hmm. to bring us back into the game, mm-hmm. and that's Definitely. you. You know, like most Liverpoolians at the time were thinking the same. We 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 give the game away, really. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was. Well, I mean, I don't remember too much about the game, but it wasn't the most scintillating of. I never thought sitting there that you you know you were gonna you know we were gonna win. Uh, you know, I sat there and was it maybe had a little bit more you know on my mind than maybe the, than the game. Yeah. I never you know had, had any memories of Liverpool. You know, being in having the upper hand kind of thing. Ooh, really disappointing. It was one one really disappointing journey back was a nightmare. Yeah, you know the, those those uh, you know no no fun when you lose when you lose oh. finals. Worse if you lose semi-finals. But losing uh, losing a final was uh, was hard. But I remember the spirit uh, picked up when you know Ray Clemens sort of said, "Look, you know, head up, let's have a let's have a drink and a." A bit of a sing song. We got a big game next Wednesday, and uh, the reaction was fantastic. Yeah. So, how, what what do you remember about yeah, you know the build up to Rome, you know the the final in Rome, and the the old you know did you get a shock when you walked out, you know on the pitch before the game and seeing so many Liverpool supporters there? Well, it, it was great. It was great to uh, to have that little bit of excitement. A couple of days, uh, the weather was. Good in Liverpool over the, you know, so we had a couple of good days uh, training uh, and then off to Rome um, and everybody was buzzing, you know, it was, um, it, there was no um, real uh, negativity around. Um, they were they were a hell of a team, uh, Munching Gladbach. So I think the, you know, most of the lads would have thought that it was going to be, it was going to be tricky, but um yeah, we enjoyed it. I remember the bus ride through uh, Rome and in the hotel, going through to 
we had a police escort and we flew through Rome at, uh, you know, at, uh, you know, probably a bit faster than you, you would do normally. Um, and then um, walking out on the pitch and seeing all the uh, the checkered flag, you know, the, the red and white checkered flags, uh, it, it, it was strange. We thought, you know, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a great, uh, a great night. And, and obviously with that support, we felt, it was going to be, uh, you know, it was going to be a winning night. Yes, unbelievable. That was the that was the day before me me my fourteenth uh, birthday. So you know, I got a, a nice early birthday present about about twenty past nine on the on the Wednesday night. So and then the homecoming on the on my birthday, of course. So that was sort of unbelievable. Getting crushed at. You know, the where we used to go to the, the library was no, the library, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was it was a special time. Celebrations were fantastic afterwards. Um the banquet is is legendary. Um and um the, the homecoming, as we said there in front of the library was just memorable you know for a number of different reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> particularly memorable for Terry McDermott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we won't say what it was, but if anybody no. wants to ask us, we'll tell them. Actually, Terry was um, was confronted by, in those days, it was Mercury Press, and um, and, and somebody had, you know, we, we actually saw the picture. It wasn't a case of the lads are saying, you've seen what Terry is doing. Somebody actually did catch it, capture it in, in black and white. <laughs> oh yeah, you shouldn't laugh, but but you know yeah. it's one of those such stories that go in absolute folklore, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, and he was absolutely rotten drunk. You know, I mean, um, he he imitated Bob Paisley on the way home. He'd taken the microphone and he, he was. He was the key um, impersonator of, uh, of Bob Paisley. So he, he, he sort of really, he's gone too far now, you know. Kind of <laughs> but he hadn't, he hadn't gone too far. He still had a bit to go. <laughs> I, know he, I know he used to sing, he used to sing on the cop after that. I won't repeat what he sang, but he sang a little song about it as well. Down the years, we, we've talked amongst ourselves, uh, you know, about it. And uh, we, you know, there were a couple of instances where I think it's almost been re, uh, relived. Um, <laughs> it's quite partial to uh, a bit of that, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Dave, a, a year later, a year later, we get to the to the European Cup final again at Wembley against Bruges. This time, you picked to start. Now, this is probably for, for all the younger listeners. You might not you might not understand why I'm asking you this question, <clears throat> but of our generation, we will know why. Did you get picked for to start in '78, compensating any any way for what happened in '77 because? Back then, I would say the FA Cup final was possibly even bigger than the European Cup final. Well, we'd uh, we'd what's the name? We'd had a decent run before uh, going to Wembley, 
and I'd played I'd played in a few of the games. Um, well, playing, uh, I'd had a reasonable run, uh, scored a few, played really well, and expected to be in the uh, in the lineup. Thought it was a formality. Scored in the last game before Wembley against West Ham away. Um, I'd part of a you know. Uh, I'd had a great game at Anfield against Man City um, beforehand. So I really felt that I was, you know, I was in the team and that was it. So it was very disappointing when you're reading the paper in the days leading up saying Bob Paisley still hadn't decided on what his, his final lineup was going to be. And I remember rooming with Colin, Colin Irwin and said, look, if I don't, if I'm not, you know, if I don't play in this, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm off. Um, uh, I never heard from Bob Paisley, uh, the, the team. We, we, we arrived at Amphi, um, Wembley, went for a, a look at the pitch. Uh, still at that point, didn't know if I was playing or not. Um, we'd had no team talk uh, to, to, to talk about. Um, and when you get back to the dressing rooms, you just look down and you know my boots are uh, below the, the number nine shirt. And that's how I found out I was playing. So I'm quite disappointing, really. Uh, if I'm if I'm totally honest, down the years I've thought to myself, you know, thought it was really poor management actually. Yeah, and and it must have been an unforgettable experience, you know, to to walk out at Wembley, you know, at at least you know eighty percent, eighty five percent of supporters again were Liverpool supporters. Again, it wasn't the greatest game, but we won, and you know, there you are with with another European Cup winners medal, Dave. Yeah, well, it's it's strange that, that people have sort of said that as a you know wasn't a good game. I've I've got a video of it and stuff, and I've watched little bits of it, and I didn't look. It wasn't that bad to me. Um, I mean, they tried to play an offside game, which was very frustrating. And in this day and age, with VAR and one thing or another, I think it might the outcome might have been a whole lot different. Um, but um, it was it was a great night, and and I was I was at something last week, and. Um, a question was uh, relating to you know which, what moment would you not want to end and um, and that was the that was a moment I'd never I remember being uh, near Ray Kennedy a couple of minutes before the end of the game didn't know who it was at the time but he had he'd had a word with the referee and um, I said to Ray I said uh, what did he say and he said just two minutes two minutes left I remember thinking that well you know bad news because. It was one of those nights you thought, want to just stay out there all, you know, all night. It was fantastic. Um, you know, as you say, you know, 85%, 90% full of Liverpool fans. It was just a, it was a spectacular night all around, but um, totally enjoyed it. And when I, when I, um, when I look back and think about certain moments and things, I've got a lot to think, you know, uh, enjoyable thought, nice thoughts about it. I, I thought I played well, actually. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, you're yeah. running in yeah, after the chip from Kenny. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't quite go in, you're there to to knock it over the line. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't Kenny's best. It was wasn't Kenny's nowhere near his best. He, he didn't have the best of nights, Kenny. In in truth, it was probably the one memorable thing he did. Granted, it was a great thing, but uh, no, I think I think one thing I I think about when you know uh, you think of those type of games, European Cup finals and things. You like to think about, you know, did I do myself to justice? Did I play, you know, as well as I probably, you know, 
hope to play. And uh, I can look back on and uh, despite what anybody else thinks, I know that I played all right that night. So so mm. it, it's, it's a great moment. And it's, it is the highlight, playing the European Cup final and ultimately winning. They were yeah. quite negative, though, David, weren't they? Well, the they, were, they were very negative. Yeah, they, 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 they played a high. They didn't, yeah. They, they didn't decide to team. make a game of it. They well, they, they, had, they, had, they had a couple of injuries, I think, going into the game. Yeah. I mean, two years earlier, I mean, they gave us a fright of our lives in the UEFA Cup final. Um, so they had quality, but they they were in kind of, you know, a little bit of transition. Um, and they they felt, I think, the only way that they were going to, well, the only way where they were going to win was uh, playing on the counter and, and just taking it off. Yeah. I think the nearest point they came to scoring was when um, Alan Ance and, um, you know, had a had a back pass and then Tom White to save off the line. Um, other than that, there was I can't remember a threat that they had. Yeah, that was the night on the way home. That was a nice I nearly got quassed on the train. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'd all we'd all had a few beers before and after. So we get back on the train to Liverpool and obviously we've celebrated. So the ale's taken hold and we're all falling asleep. We're all asleep. And the train suddenly jolted. And I woke up like that and I just saw these floodlights out of the window and I thought it was Holly Park. And I shouted to the lads, hurry up, lads, we're at South of Liverpool. And when we carried on, we were at uh, Witten, we were at Aston Villa. Nearly <laughs> by the lads had woken them all up. <laughs> and we just saw the floodlights thinking it was well, South yeah. Liverpool's ground. I can understand why they were unhappy. In, this, in these times, you wouldn't have been able to get a train back after the match. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. They, they were mean, the good old days, David. They were the good old days, yeah. So we were, the bank, we were having the uh, the banquet that night, and we had that the part. We often remember more about maybe the parties than we do the um, the actual football matches, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and as I say, it, it's amazing, isn't it? Really, the fit, like when you're playing, as you say. It probably you probably don't take in as much as the fans. You know, we we probably, you know, as a fan, when you're there, you're kicking every ball, you're making every tackle, mm. you know, you you're shouting, you're singing, and the the amount of, you know, nervous energy that you produce and the stress mm. is just. I mean, you obviously experience it now because I know you're a big red, so I know you've been what we experience now. You know, you you actually feel. You'll experience it with us, and so you you see it from from both sides of the at the coin, so to speak. But as I say, you know that that for me, Wembley '78, my first European Cup final as a as a fourteen year old. You know, I just you know I, you'll see me team win the European Cup for the second time. I, I just was overcome with with emotion and and thinking, you know, what have I just seen? And I can remember. And he can remember getting off the train at Edgehill Station and buying all the papers because all the papers were on sale. So a guy there selling all the papers and buying every one and coming home. Most of them got home till about four o'clock in the morning and just coming home and reading all the papers and and then getting up, staying off school, getting up, running down and getting the scrapbook and then cutting them all out and putting them in the scrapbook and then just feeling... You're on top of the world, and then looking forward to going and seeing the homecoming. You know, they just, you know, just unbelievable times back then because it was something that Liverpool, Liverpool conquering Europe was something new. You know what I mean? We were, you know, we we come close in sort of. You know, when I was young, when we dad, my dad's age, when 
you know, what, what happened in, you know, in Milan in, in you know, in 65 and, you know what I mean? And and, and mm-hmm. then to, to sort of do it like we've done it and then be the, the first English club to retain it as well, it just made you feel, you know, proud. And that's why, you know, for the likes of us, all you players from that era, I sort of so 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 legendary to us. We're so in awe of you all. And for me to sort, as I said earlier, you know, to to have got to know you over over many years through the supporters club and be able to to ring you and chat to you, you know, I just feel you know blessed to be honest. I, I still I still have to pinch myself sometimes to 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 think that it's real. Well, I mean, I, I you know I was a big Liverpool fan from you know very early early days. Early, early 60, 61. And um, I feel, you know, something of, you know, you're very, you know, it's very flattering to hear you say that. But I mean, being being a part of and being a friend with down the years, Roger Hunting, St. John, it's amazing because I, you know, I I grew up really, they were my heroes. And um, until later on, say, you know, um, call them friends and, and what have you. It's, it's really uh, something. Uh, Something very special, very lucky. Yeah. And I think on that note, we've been going now for over an hour and 15 minutes. So we'll let Dave go for an early bath. I think he's, after mm-hmm. his day of golf, you know, he might need a, a shower to, to cool himself down. As I say, going to jump good. in the ice bath now, Les. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> it's been an absolute privilege nice. and an honour to have you on today, Dave, as Thanks. I say. You know, the memories that that I've still got of your goals will live with me forever and a day. Um, you know, you always will be a hero to me. And you know, Tom and Pete are exactly the same. Yeah. So I can't I can't thank you enough. And I hope that you know we'll, we'll have you on again sometime soon, Dave, to to talk about the current team and continue, you know, the end of your story at Liverpool. Because it, you know, it's a fantastic story and you know, one that should. It should be celebrated more than it is. On that note, as I say, we'll bring the podcast to an end. And as you always finish and say, thanks to Tom, thanks to Pete, a massive thank you to, to David. And you'll never walk alone. Don't buy the sun. And just <laughs> seven. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>